Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are talking about week five of Future State, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. There's no way to know. There's, there's no way to know. But yeah, it's uh, we're more than halfway done with the event. We're getting to our first week of no new number ones, just um, just like follow-ups to stories we've already read. And um, I-, I wanted to say this before we started to get into it. Because a bunch of the stories that we're reading, all but the next Batman actually, wrap up here, I want to say that I think that on a whole, these number two issues have felt incredibly rushed. And it just goes to the point that all of us, but especially Vince, keeps making about these books were supposed to be something else, and they've become shoehorned into these sort of two-issue stories. But at least three or four issues this week felt like the writer and artist had to take four issues or five issues worth of story and shove it into one comic. Do you guys agree with that, or is that just my weird read on this? <clears throat> there, There's a few that definitely feel like that, yes. Yeah, or just don't even actually really end. And they just stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of those, uh, I think, is going to be picked up elsewhere. And so that's why that one does that. But some of these just, yeah. Yeah, I know uh... the one you're talking about, but that's not the one I'm thinking about. Okay, interesting. Um, any uh, any preferences where we start? Alphabetical. Okay. That you didn't expect that. I didn't. Do you count the as part of the alphabetical order? I'm asking so if we're going to do it in your order. I want to get it it's right an here. important question. What? Just be a man for the first time in your life. and An alpha male or a sigma male? <laughs> an apex predator. Oh. Oh, dang. All right, so, so, let's, so let's kick it off with a bang then. Future State The Flash number two, written by Brandon Vietti, illustrated by Brandon Peterson and Will Conrad. Um, I know we have more or less said this before, but this is by far the worst book of Future State. Any disagreement there? Mm, I, I don't think so. Although... I will say I liked this issue better than the first issue. That makes one of us. <laughs> I I liked I liked the plot of this one, I guess, a little more. Or the but but then the art was worse to me, um, especially once Will Conrad. Uh, got in there so wait a minute uh, this wasn't the good will conrad? it was not not the good and i can't remember the last time i saw the good will conrad could so. it, it it may be that i read this issue really fast like as fast as i could but i didn't notice the artist change like i couldn't and i was looking for it too and i just couldn't differentiate so i, I mean there, there does there's some stuff that looks more like digitally rendered or painted and yeah, a little right. softer. And I think that's where it is. Who Who's the other artist besides Conrad? Is it Brandon? Brandon, Brandon Peterson. Yeah. I, I'm like really mixed on Peterson's art. Sometimes I really general. like it. And sometimes it's just, okay. Yeah. I don't know if I ever like really love it, but they're t- like, I guess I've really only read him on Bendis stuff. Like he, he did some X Men, he did some Superman, and I like generally liked that okay. But I never liked it as much as the other artists who were normally on those books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peterson relaunched Titans when it came back after, uh, was it New Justice? I think that's what it was, or uh, No Justice. Well, what was what was that four issue miniseries? No. No justice, and then the new justice was like the new initiative. So he, when when new justice started, he was on Titans, the one that had Kyle Rayner and uh, Natasha um, Irons on the team. Uh, yeah, so I like his work there better than I did here, but this is just so convoluted, and I feel like it, my biggest issue with this, from a like plotting perspective, is 
the Flash family has always been this very like insular and protective group where like the Flashes look out for one another and there's it's a true family, not just, you know, like the Bat family has a little bit of of blood relation, but the the Flash family, there's a lot of like actual blood relatives there. You know, Wally is Iris's nephew and Bart is Barry's god's uh, grandson. And so there's this real strong family connection there. And in this book, basically, Barry lets everyone die to maybe save Wally. He lets Iris. He's just like, he's just like I can't imagine what happened to Iris when I ditched her. That's just that's that's so unlike the character. It just feels it just rang so false to me. And so once you put that out there, I don't know how you can look at this character as being like, you know, the Barry animal you've known and loved. That's my problem on a plotting standpoint. From like an actual construction of the issue standpoint, this has like four different swerves in it where you think things are going one way and then it swerves you to another way. And it doesn't do that to any great effect. It just makes it annoying and confusing. And yeah, this issue sucked. I I have nothing good to say about it pretty much. I, I think the good thing I have to say about it, and I, I don't want to say much else about it, um, is something that we talked about last time, which is that... The the idea of using all the the rogues um, gadgets and stuff is is very fun, and I I do think it's legitimately fun to see Barry like strap all this shit to his body, and and use it in that way. It's a very like ramshackle uh, costume, and I sure. guess that's that's like the one nice thing <laughs> I can say about this, Zach. Yeah, that was the thing that I liked too. Um... That was the only thing I think really. Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I said I liked this issue better than the first one. Really, it was just because like everybody just like bit it in the first one, and it was just <laughs> very depressing. But the the Eagle Sham art was better. I I don't know. Yeah, this issue maybe it's just like the way that like this version of the four horsemen are being used, but I'm getting big um, earth Two worlds in vibes from this. And I, that's never good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this issue, I, I will say this, that this, this is one of the books that feels the least like it was maybe what the 5g version was supposed to be. Which we had heard the rumors it was Captain Boomerang Jr. Of course, of course, who could forget that that running gag of ours from six months ago? Um, but this really feels like it was one of the few stories maybe constructed as a future state standalone story. Would you guys agree with that as well? Well, that's an interesting question because it if if that's your theory, then it would seem like it was like predicated to fill in a story gap created by another story no i think the opposite i i think if this was supposed to be the beginning of 5g then no, yes i this mean is... like no but like not like this is this is a tie-in with titans right that's what i mean it's like filling in titan's story oh okay i see what you're saying okay yeah so what I was going to say is the only way I could see this being part of the 5G story is if this is the way to clear the decks of all of the Flashes to, like, leave it open for Captain Boomerang Jr. to become the Flash. So so what I was saying, like, going off of your thing, is if, like, what you're saying, this it seems like this, like, maybe in order to make Titans work, like, Titans was going to be a bigger thing, a longer story with, like, a longer game. But in order to make that story work, they did this little flash sure. story to like put the pieces where they need to be. Sure. Um, and I guess like maybe Shazam is playing into that too. It seems like it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I I think you you I think you're onto something because like this does feel like the most out of left field one. Um, but it's just interesting that it doesn't even like stand on its own. Um. Like, it specifically says, like, read on in Teen Titans at the end of yeah. this issue. Anything else to say about this? Mm -mm. All right, well, let's jump over to Future State Harley Quinn, number two, 
which is written by Stephanie Phillips and illustrated by Simone DeMeo and Tony Infante. Um, one of the things that we had talked about sort of at the start of the show was how certain issues felt very rushed, like it was multiple issues condensed into one. And I would say that this issue did not so much feel like that. It did sort of feel like there was a little bit more in between issues one and two. Like it felt like maybe this wasn't the first time that Harley and Jonathan Crane solved the crime together, but it didn't feel, this wasn't a jarringly fast paced issue. Um, I thought the art continued to be really good from last time. We enjoyed DeMeo's work last time. And, um, you know, I, I thought this was a, a fine Harley Quinn story. Not my favorite book of the week by far, but you know, I thought it was a, a pretty solid entry. Uh, Vince, what'd you think? Yeah, I I'll echo what you said. Um, uh, I do think, yeah, in the last issue, it did show her and, and Crane kind of in a montage form solving some crimes. And it, it makes me think that if this were given a longer arc or something, we would have seen those expanded on or blown out a little bit more. Um, I kind of like that they weren't. I think this was a, you know, as a two issue story, I think this was really nice. I, I don't know that I, I need more than this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so blown away that I'm like super excited to see what the, what the infinite frontier Harley Quinn uh, relaunch will be like, but I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to dismiss it out of hand. I think I, my criticism last time was that it was an overcorrection of the Harley Quinn formula that we've seen up to this point. And I think this one didn't get all the way there, but it did, it did swing a little bit back as far as her being a little bit funnier or more irreverent. Um, not by much. I, I don't think it was too much. And I don't think it was trying to, to, I don't think it was forcing anything. I just think it, she had a few more lines that were, more overtly jokey. And I think that it, it made it feel more like Harley Quinn a little bit. Um, the art is great. Uh, another thing I said last time was I'm not a huge fan of like digitally uh, edited art or, or, you know, a lot of like motion blur or digital effects. Um, I think there, there's a little blur from here and there that, you know, I could do without, but I think the art itself is so good and it's, it really is like it's it's not an DeMeo is not an artist that relies too much on the digital stuff to enhance the art. There's definitely like pencils behind everything. And it, it, it looks like real comic art with just some digital trappings here and there. And I think that that penciling is so good on its own that the digital aspect of it really does blend in a lot better than this sort of style usually results in um just to jump so in he, there for for one second i also think yeah. that uh tamra bonvillain's um coloring here is relatively consistent with like the next batman color scheme but mm -hmm. i feel like it's it somehow feels unique to harley quinn like it's a nice bonvillain does a really nice job of having like uh there's sort of an overall like aesthetic to her future state work, but this still has its own identity. I, I think this book looks really good. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that was pretty much all I was going to say. I, I think, I think this was really solid. Zach. Um, I really, I liked the art in this a lot. I didn't, I didn't care for this issue very much overall. This is another one that I felt like just, I did feel like this was kind of rushed. I thought it took some weird swerves to get to the ending. Like it just, a lot of stuff like the, the stuff with crane and him like, Oh, I must put my mask back on. And I, I thought that, I don't know. I just thought that all happened like very quickly and was not super well fleshed out. Not that it like really needed to be. It just, it, it just was kind of like a flimsy concept to me. Um, and, and I did, I just didn't, love it i didn't care for it but like with some of these other future state books i don't really like hold it against the creative team and i like don't it doesn't like make me less excited or interested in the infinite frontier 
version of this um just in the nature of like what it is but yeah i i the art was really good i just didn't think much of it i understand that i i think that this is one of those titles that if it, it it's a double-edged sword right because in on one hand if this was a four issue miniseries maybe by the fourth issue we'd have felt like all right i get it you know i get what's going on here we didn't need to be four issues but two maybe felt a little bit a little bit slight you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's hard. It, it's it's hard to tell what these were supposed to be, which is something we're going to keep saying, and I'm sure we will keep saying it over the next few weeks too. Um, but uh, let's move on to uh, Future State, the next Batman number three. The main story in this is written by John Ridley, illustrated by Laura Braga from Breakdowns by Nick Darrington. With all due respect to Braga, who I do like. I feel like the first issue of this, just the art was so unique and so different than what we're used to seeing. And I feel like the other two issues have been uh, just a little bit more standard sort of DC comic booking. But I don't want to talk much more about this. I want Zach to start off this issue talking about what he thought. I did not think much. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about this, unfortunately. I thought it was... I thought it was fine. Um, I'm glad that we're getting more Fox family stuff um, in this issue. I think it's coming a little bit late. Um, I just don't really care about any of the magistrate stuff at all. Um, I don't really care about the stuff with this like couple that he's dealing with. I just want to like this so much more than I do. I just don't really like the trappings of this story very much. I'm I'm most interested in the stuff with the Fox family and the interaction between um, Luke and his sister and the parents like that. That stuff is all good to me, but the rest of it, I just don't really care for. Vince. A hundred percent. That is the best stuff in this book. And I'm, I'm relieved last time for issue two, we talked about how it felt like a retread of all the stuff that we already knew about this status quo, um, from issue from the first issue. And this third issue is, is better than that. It gets away from kind of the, the, the same old information we already know. Uh, by focusing a little more on the Fox family. I still don't think it goes far enough, though, because my major problem with this from a storytelling perspective is that, uh, yes, it expands on the rest of the Fox family besides the one who is actually Batman, um, Tim or Jace. Um, Everything that we learn about Jace, really in this comic is told to us by a different person. It's told to us secondhand, quite literally, you know, a a member of the family will be like, well, Jace would never want this or whatever, you know, when he's right there. And I just feel like, and I know you, you only have four issues and I know they want to clearly focus on the action. Cause like all three of these issues have been pretty action heavy. Um, but I just think I, I still want more of of the Jace character inside the cowl, you know? And we're just not quite getting that. But you're right, you're right, Zach. The Fox family stuff is the best stuff. And I, I think Ridley's doing a good job of writing that. I just still feel like I'm missing something from the central character. Um, the art, it's what you already said. It's, you know, it's not Nick, it's fine. It's average. It's good, solid, average DC comic stuff uh, from Laura Braga, but it's it's not Nick Darrington, and uh, it's just not as dynamic, um, which is which is too bad. But most people won't think anything of it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with most of what you guys said. I want to touch on the Fox family for one second. I think that the Fox family stuff is hands down the best stuff in the um, in the issue, but I will say that I feel like how can I put this? 
the the stuff about the law, the sort of shoot on sight vigilante law stuff, that all feels like it feels like uh what's the mom's name? I'm totally totally drawing a blank on her name. Um I couldn't Mrs. Tell you Fo- Mrs. Fox. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> if Ms- you're nasty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like Mrs. Fox is just so anti-vigilante and is a character we've spent very little time with in other Batman comics. And so it just feels like this um this crazy like it, it would be like if all of a sudden there's a character who works in the Daily Planet who is, you know, like a virulent racist who we never saw before, but all of a sudden is there just to just to be like the unpopular voice in the room. It just feels so over the top with how anti-mask she is. And there's hints of like why that is. Something happened with Jace, all of this. And I, I feel like it's just that part is not handled super well. I, I do like this conversation between um between Luke and his sister. I think that there's some interesting Fox family dynamics here. It just still feels a little bit rushed to me. Um, I also feel like this might be the best script of the three issues we've got so far because I think the most does kind of happen in this issue. But like you were saying, Zach, it's a little bit late for all this stuff to be coming up. Like, for instance, this is the first issue where somebody basically says, like, something's up with Peacekeeper 1. He's he's Something's going on there. And I think that's going to be a Bat Family character under that under that helmet because all the hints in this issue are drawing at that. But that would have been a much more interesting thing to seed in the first issue and to slowly reveal. But it feels like, you know, it just kind of feels a little bit rushed here. Uh, also, so it was announced a few weeks ago there's going to be, you know, the, the uh, next Batman Second Son digital first series, and there's going to be an anthology it's rather a hardcover like collection that collects this, the story from uh, Detective Comics ten, uh, ten twenty seven, the stories from Batman Black and White, and that Digital First series, and a standalone story for that book. And to me, that will get you to just about twelve issues. And it feels like this is just the first year of Future State Batman we were supposed to get. That I mean, that's sorry, five G Batman rather we were supposed to get. Uh, that Darrington got the gig a while back, wrote 12 scripts, and they were like, ah, beans, we're not doing that that thing anymore, but we'll still find a way to use all these scripts, um, which is not a bad thing. I, I, overall, I think this is an interesting idea for a Bat book, but like you were saying, Vince, we don't know much about Jace at all. I think we got more about Jace in that Nightwing issue. Where he was like briefly in it, like uh, more, more possibly, character stuff, yeah. and that that wasn't even that good, you know. But there's just there hasn't been an Jace here, and I had said this before, but I I just get real big New Fifty Two vibes from this. The first like six issues of half the New Fifty Two books were all about not revealing too much about the main character. Like you mm-hmm. saw a lot of action, and then it was in the second arc that you start to dig in to see like why these characters were doing what they're doing. And that's very much what this feels like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other notes from the first story in this, uh, in this issue? Mm, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, we get the second installment of the outsiders story uh, which is written by Brandon Thomas and illustrated by Sumit Kumar. And I'm going to let Zach talk about this because I know Zach really enjoyed this last time. But I just want to say this is the best Gotham story we get in all of Future State. Zach, take it away. Yeah, I agree. This was really good. Um, both, like, this is maybe maybe the best Duke story I've ever read, I think. And I, I preface that with saying I, I haven't read all of Batman and the Outsider, so I don't know if that is better than this. Um, uh, not for Duke, no. Not for Duke. Okay, yeah, this is the best Duke story I think I've ever read. Um, it's also one of the best Outsider stories I think I've ever read. Um, I, I, I genuinely really liked this issue a lot. I think it might have been... It was easily like in my top three of like you know stories this week, I think. And I think the outsiders in general end up being like 
at least in my top five of all of Future State. Um, I loved the stuff with, like I already said, I love the stuff with Duke, but the stuff with uh, Black Lightning and Katana was really good too. Um, I feel like this is the best that the Magistrate story has been across all of the books. It, it feels um, very urgent and, and I think focusing it um, uh, from this angle of, of uh, Duke as kind of, you know, ferrying and, and bringing normal people to, you know, to safety and hiding them in safe houses. That that's like a really interesting angle. Um, the bit with the, the mole, I guess, or, you know, the, the, the magistrate guy who had kind of infiltrated that that was all good uh yeah i just really i liked the story a lot plus at the end um duke basically has a buster sword it looks like um (laughs) that last page is so good yes yeah uh jefferson pierce is his stand um Mm -hmm. yes absolutely yes jefferson pierce is also basically dr manhattan visually in this (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, it's man, it's really good. The more I think about it, and the more I look through it, I really, really like this story. His, uh, in keeping with the JoJo's theme, his stand would be called Electric Avenue. Uh, you don't get that, Zach. Uh, I, I've I've not read I've not read that much. <laughs> no, he he doesn't get the reference to the uh, the song. Um, right. Oh, I thought I thought maybe that was a stand already. No, no. That... Okay, but now, but now I understand. Eddie That's Grant. Just... Yeah, there you go. But all the stands are named after musicians or songs or anywho. Um, that anywho. that was a little that was a joke for me, I guess. Um, I know enough about JoJo to know that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, well, we all know that 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 at least Zach and I love when. American comics are manga, and this was yes. manga, so of course it's the best. <laughs> Sumit Kumar, like I, I'm not going to say anything more about the plot or anything, because Zach said it all. But the, the art is just so playful and dynamic and fun. Um, it is very like manga to kind of be cliche, but just like you know some of the character designs and the expressions, and then the action is very much staged that way. Um, especially with some of the big uh, uh, visual sound effects that you get. Uh, it's just very much like reading a shonen manga. Um, and, and that's my shit. So, yes, well, definitely one of my favorite things in Future State, period. It's the best Gotham story, right? It has to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, that is true, yes. Um, yeah, I, I just to, you know, to echo what you guys said, Great art, super playful, super fun, really good action. I think one of the hallmarks of the Gotham books has been this dedication to showing a lot of action, but this action looks totally different than any other Gotham book has looked in Future State. And so much of that is because of this interesting panel construction and the way that Kumar is doing, um, just just taking things in a different in a different way. Really enjoyable, really fun. Uh, And this, you know, not with Sumit Kumar, unfortunately, but there is going to be a Brandon Thomas outsider story with art by Max Dunbar in that Batman Urban Legends anthology. So hopefully we get some more of this good outsider stuff, although I I would like to see Kumar do more work on this. So we'll see. Um, And then finally, we get the Arkham Knight, Arkham Knights, rather, Story written by Paul Jenkins, illustrated by Jack Herbert. Vince, you're the biggest fan, probably, of the uh, of, of the Peter Tomasi Detective Comics run. So why don't you why don't you talk us through this uh, this piece? I mean, no, no, and I and I, out of, out of the three of us, I was probably the biggest fan of this story the last time, and even that is like saying too much because i didn't i didn't love it i just found i found bits of it here and there charming and you know what i i kind of felt the same way this time around where like the story i could take or leave 
it was nothing much to speak of. Just, you know, Astrid Arkham and, and this ragtag bunch um, kind of rebelling against the magistrate or whatever. Um, pretty stock standard stuff. Um, but the part that the part that did kind of charm me a little bit was um, the, the Dr. Phosphorus uh, death <laughs> she, scene at the she, end. She won't just let him die? <laughs> The whole that, book, that whole... he's like, let me die. She's like, no, I'm, you're good. Come on. Let me die. No, come on, buddy. You're all right. Let me I mean, die. I, I thought that was fairly effective. I, I thought I thought it was kind of sweet at, at times. And then, and then, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I was charmed a little bit. Again, I'm overselling how much I like this. I, I didn't really. It was just okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't a pain to read or anything. There was nothing really bad about it. Um, just you know, trying trying to find something to speak of that I liked. I I, I kind of thought that was charming. Other than that, like I'm not sure what purpose any of this serves. But apparently, it's not the end because it, it says never the end at the end. So <laughs> there you're there. Everybody's allowed to do that. Yes, now. I I know I know I know. Yeah. I know. Let, I don't really. They let anybody. They do. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, In my I, notes. I don't ex- let's go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say I don't expect to see the Arkham Knights again. But then again, I I didn't expect to see Astrid uh, back this time. So who knows? Yeah. My only note I have here is somewhat decent ending to a pretty dumb story. And I yeah. feel like that, yes. that 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 sums up my feelings on this book a lot. Zach? That's that's right. Yep. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about this. The whole thing was just about getting the bat signal. Like, well, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it sound like there's only one floodlight in Gotham. And yeah. so they needed to track it down. They couldn't just make another floodlight. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I feel like that is a like classic comic book thought process piece there like we need the bat signal well why no one ever thinks to ask why they need the bat signal just we need it um but yeah a pretty decent ending to a pretty dumb story um let's do this let's take a break and when we come back we will run down the three final issues of this week's comics so stay tuned Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. After a fascinating interlude, we are back <coughs> with... Uh... <laughs> hey, do you guys want to do a drink roll call? Uh, sure, yeah, let's do a drink roll call. Okay. What do you have, Zach? I have a 48-ounce wa- bottle of water. Uh, he's got a 40 over there. Yeah. You playing? You playing forty hands? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Vince, what do you have? Um, I I have I have uh, that classic uh, off-brand Crystal Light iced tea with Oof. with and here's the key, just a splash of pineapple juice in it. <laughs> Man, I I didn't realize there was an intellectual on the line tonight. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, I, I am very on brand, uh, drinking the only soda I buy now, which is the Dr. Pepper and cream soda combo. Oh, again, going back to that well, huh? Yeah, it's it's, it's my thing now. All, all my content is about to become branded for Dr. Pepper <laughs> cream soda. So Next, next time, I'm going to have some of the Coca-Cola with coffee. Ooh. Some of that abomination? Yeah. I've never had it. I, it just doesn't sound good. Apparently, well, I don't. I I just saw it announced today. I didn't know it was a thing until recently. So I just found out apparently it's a cultural thing in Spain for people to mix Coca Cola and red wine. I've heard about that. Yeah, and I, I can't decide if that would be delicious or disgusting. 
Isn't that a isn't that in a Vampire Weekend song? To to be to be extremely uh, on brand uh, for this podcast. Yes, it is. In fact, maybe that's how, where I found out about it. <laughs> it is Fat Flower Moon, Sacred Sign, Coca Cola, and Red Wine. Yep, that's that's it. That's the one. All right, we've gotten to the bottom of this. Uh, I'm sure a long time weekend accepted me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. No, they just they just culturally appropriated something else again. Yeah, sure, sure. Kidding. I love those guys. It's fine. We love it. We love it. I'm sure the only people who love it more than us is all of our listeners who wish we would do more Vampire Weekend branded content. So, well, they're in luck because once Future State's over. Once Zach was on maternity leave, Vince and I are going track by track, minute by minute, from the Vampire Weekend discography. Oh, I want to do that. No, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Uh, uh, why don't you guys just talk about comics when I'm gone, and when I come back, we'll do that. That's right. Yeah, Zach doesn't want to talk about comics, so we should. Well, yeah. we would have to do that in December because we'd be drinking horchata. So, oh, uh, we would enjoy uh-huh. it with our foot on Masada. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to these comics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next up, uh, Future State <laughs> Superman of Metropolis, uh, written by Sean Lewis, illustrated by John Timms. Um, Vincey, why don't you start us off with this one? Yeah, um, you know, I liked this and I liked the first issue well enough, although I think. I said that there was a little too much exposition for me. Um, I liked this, but this was the one that really felt rushed to me. Um, 100%. Yes. Uh, Like, more than... I I agree with you on some of those other books, for sure. But this is the one that by far the most. Like, I just feel like... (sighs) The stuff with Kara and then... All of that stuff could have been fleshed out more all of a sudden she's there and I, I just feel like I just feel like their time apart could have been more expanded upon I feel like the 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 stuff with brain cells got resolved very quickly um there's so much I like about this I wish it had a little more room to breathe um it's wild that I'm saying that about these books considering how much I don't like decompression um, but I, I feel like there's a medium between like, between some of these two issue arcs and the over the like, uh, overstretched six issue arcs. I feel like there's somewhere in between, you know, th- three uh, or so four, three, get... three issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some... <laughs> the right. number between two and four. <laughs> no, I, I said, I said, I said two and six. Oh, like, okay. I thought, I thought. You're compa- sorry, I thought you were comparing like the the four part uh, future state books with the two parters. I no, understand. no, yeah, I'm comparing the two part future state books to like a like a written for the trade six issue arc that okay, we no- yes, that we normally yeah. get. You know, I feel like there is some happy medium, and you know, th- three or four issues is probably good. Uh, like my my complaints about the next Batman have nothing to do with it feeling. Um, like it's too rushed or like it's decompressed. You know, to to me, the pacing of that book is not the problem. It's more like the the just the 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 delivery of the character that we're getting. You know that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just this is just so packed. Um, but there's a lot I like about it. I really grew to like John Timms a lot. Um really impressed with how he can handle like a big superhero book with lots of action and lots of spectacle. Um, not something I necessarily would have pegged him for when he was doing like Harley Quinn stuff. Right. Um, I love the, even though it's an idea that we've seen plenty of times before, uh, Jonathan Kent fighting all the different Clarks from the different eras and how specific they are to each era, um, faceless as they are. Uh, that part I thought was really neat. Um, I, I, I just like stuff like that in general, and I, and I thought it was a, a neat little wrinkle to this plot. Um, just, yeah, just, just 
think that this plot maybe deserved to breathe a little more. That's all. Um, Zach or Brian? Zach, go ahead. Um, I like this a lot. I can see why you, you would... I, I do agree. I guess it is kind of rushed, but I didn't really notice it as much as I did some of the other books that we've talked about, just because there is... There's a lot happening, but I... I, I, I thought enough time was given to each thing. I think the thing that maybe felt the most rushed to me was the stuff with Kara uh, or Kara. Um that stuff yeah her, her whole role in this felt a little off to me i think um just in general in both issues but um yeah i i mean i i love this j- version of john kent i would want john kent to be superman forever um <laughs> i i love the stuff with the bottled city i think brain cells was a interesting enough like brainiac uh you know take um at least visually uh I, visually it's like a very cool brainiac take and then yeah like uh hearkening back to the different versions of superman which again felt very 5g um because you know you've got like the nazi fighting superman you've got cold war superman death of superman and then that fourth superman i couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like new 52 or connor kent um well it said when he was reborn and there was literally a Superman Reborn story done right, like but that, that straddled the New 52 and Rebirth. Right, but he, like, that, like, the way that the character looked didn't match up with that at all. Like, he was wearing, like, a t-shirt and well, jeans. Well, wasn't that the Gene Yang story that led directly into Rebirth? No. your Superman Reborn was, Superman Reborn was the Tomasi Jurgens crossover. Right, but wasn't that the rebirth? Begin- that was the beginning of rebirth, and this was right before rebirth, wasn't it? No, the genie well, yeah, wasn't but, wasn't right before. Yeah, that was, but that was like that was before rebirth. That was like New Fifty Two. Like those two things weren't related at all. Well, I still think they're trying to evoke that that yeah, New that's 52 what I mean. Rebirth era. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, but he was also wearing like a black shirt, which is like always Connor Kent. Or, which right, or but is, these are all explicitly Clark. Yeah. So or is yeah, no, uh, Jin Yang's? Just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just saying it's really weird. You pedants, gosh, like <laughs> go away. I was just saying it was weird. It didn't make sense. I don't shit on all y'all's your opinions. Like gosh. since when? Boo! Never. You're just you're just a nice boy. That's why you, no. you need to we need to rough you up a little bit. Um, toughen, toughen you up. I I do think that it's a big stretch, like connecting it to the Gene Lun Yang, uh, the like DCU Superman. Then yeah, to let the him have it. Thing, which is like two years apart. <laughs> but uh, sure. Okay. I. It was. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. You're gaslighting me. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I like this issue. This issue was was good. Um, I was less high on the last issue as than you guys were, and I think my complaints for that issue still stand here. I think this Kara is almost unrecognizable from any other Kara we've ever gotten, and there is not a ton of like in story reasons for that. Uh, I also think that the coloring on this issue continues to distract me. I think it looks like it's by uh, Gabe El Tayib, by the way. Um, but I feel like this coloring looks like if you took what Tamra Bonvillain is doing on the next Batman and put it in the wash a couple of times. It just it just looks like a very very muted version of that, and not in like an over. I feel like there's a there's a, there'd be storyline reasons for doing that or like artistic reasons for doing that, but this just seems like a cheaper version of what's happening there or what Jordi Belair is doing. It just it just doesn't feel as vibrant to me. Um, but yeah, this is this is fine. I I enjoyed the end of the story with Jonathan, you know, uh, sort of reclaiming the mantle of the Superman of Metropolis. But again, this totally felt like issue six of 5g superman where that would happen and then the next arc would be about him sort of you know having a metropolis based story 
Um, but overall, I, I do like the idea of John as Superman. And I think we're going to get more of that in the action comics and Superman stuff in uh, in Infinite Frontier. I almost said Infinite Horizon like Zach. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think that we're ever going to get as much John Kent Superman as, as the three of us would probably like. Um, but that's that's okay. And that's another story. Um, but overall, this is, this is pretty good. Uh, up next, we have the Mr. Miracle story, which confusingly takes place before the Mr. Miracle story we read last time. Uh, this is written by Brandon Easton, illustrated by Valentine Delandro. And, you know, I think we had said this more or less about the last one, too. Like, this looks excellent. It's fun to have a Shiloh Norman story. There's not a ton going on here. It's a lot of action, but it's fun, and Delandro's art is great. I really, really love his art style. So I think I think that this overall this is a uh, this is a visually very interesting issue, even if the plot is just you know okay. Yeah, it's it's the plot is super thin. It's just I mean we've already seen what comes next for for Shallow Norman. Uh, in that Superman Worlds of War issue. And this issue literally just bridges the gap from here to there. And that's fine. You know, there's it's just that there's not a whole lot going on besides a, a little kind of chase sequence and, and a, you know, an, an action beat. And and that's great um, for, for a little backup like this. It's, and Shallow Norman's, it's fun to just, spend more time with this character. Um, the one thing that I, I really like about this that stands out is the uh, Marissa Louise colors. Yes. Because I love how the the rest of Metropolis in its current state is very muted color-wise. Lots of, like, tans and browns and blacks and, um, you know, darker, more muted, earthy colors. And then you have this pop of red and yellow and green anytime Shiloh Norman is in the panel, you know. And, and I mean, that's consistent throughout the whole thing. It's a, obviously a consistent, uh, it, you know, like intellectual choice to do that. And, and it really works, I think. And then I love the, the bit where, uh, where, uh, I forget what he says, it's something about, how he amplifies his appearance and becomes like this multifaceted, you know, there's like many duplicates of him just yeah. visually like a kaleidoscope or something, I think is what he says. Um, those panels are really stunning. I think that effect is really well done. And I think the coloring factors in there very nicely too. So um, yeah, a very visually interesting issue more than anything else. And there's nothing wrong with that. So Zach. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah that that specific effect that you mentioned was really neat. Um, yeah, don't have a lot to say about it otherwise. All right, uh, and then the last story in this issue is the uh, Metropolis Guardian story, written by Sean Lewis, illustrated by Cully Hamner. Uh, this also felt like at least two issues crammed into one. There's one specific moment where. Uh, so Jimmy Olsen is being held captive on top of the Daily Planet building. And the Guardian says to somebody, keep her talking. I need time to get up there. And in the next panel, he is up there punching her. <laughs> like, it is it it is the most clear case of just, all right, we got to cut. You know, this is this, this is a three-part story. We got to cut a whole part out of this. Just trim, trim, trim. So this is fine. Um, I like Cully Hamner's art. I like what they're doing with this character but this felt really slight and super rushed. Zach? Uh, yes. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, I I agree too. Um, I, I did like that kind of the, the average citizen was given more of a voice in this story. Um, you know, focusing more on the people of Metropolis and how they're affected by this. Um, that being said, it wasn't a hugely interesting way for all of this to shake out. Uh, you get you get Jonathan Kent descending down at the end, 
basically, I mean, that's basically the ending of the first segment of this issue, right? Just from a different perspective. Right. Um, and so I, I like how it ties together, but yeah, still not much to write home about. This this is kind of in the Arkham Knights um, uh, side of things where like, you know, I, I found the character of Astrid a little more charming than I expected to. I I like Jake Jordan as a character. I find him a little charming, but there's just not much going on aside from that. Uh, really, just seems like like a like a, a passable bit of filler. This story. Yeah, I agree. Um. Did, did you guys think we'd be getting a sort of more maybe beefed up Jonathan Kent story here than what we actually wound up getting? No, uh... no. not necessarily. I don't know. For whatever reason, I had thought that John Kent was going to be essentially like the star of the Superman Future State stuff. And I mean, he, he was the star of this book. But but even in this book, I mean, Kara is almost as important to this story as he is. He's not. I mean, he's a part of the Justice League story. I don't know. I just felt like we keep getting more John here. I guess is is my point. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I I think between this and and Justice League and Superman Wonder Woman, I think I don't know. He's he's felt pretty pretty prominent to me. Okay. Like I said, I could be wrong. All right, well, let's turn to uh, Future State Swamp Thing number two, written by Ram V, illustrated by Mike Perkins. Um, so to, to, to pull back the curtain a little bit for how we've been doing this, we've been getting these books a little bit earlier than we normally get review copies, and we got the first week's books like well before Christmas. And so I had actually I had to go back and reread the Swamp Thing story because while I remembered sort of some of the the beats in it, I didn't remember a ton of what happened in it. And that's not a slight. I really enjoyed that issue, uh, and I really enjoyed this issue too. But um, I did have to go back and reread it just to familiarize myself. And this story did not feel like one of the Rush stories, at least to me. This felt like a little bit more of a... Uh, you know, a, a sort of planned out two issue arc, or maybe Ram V was just, you know, effective enough at doing, at, at consolidating a script, whereas some other people didn't get a chance to do that as effectively. Um, Vince, what'd you think of this? Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, cemented my feeling that this is the best Mike Perkins I've seen in a while. Or maybe ever. Um, I think the, the the Swamp Thing focused stuff looks really great. Um, I think the Jason Woodrow stuff where he's like, he's like a combination of skin and plant is uh, really disgusting and creepy in, in just the way it's supposed to be. Um. I agree with you. I, I don't think this felt rushed. I also think it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. To me, to me, it was a lot like Harley Quinn, how I felt about that, where it was like just a perfect bite-sized little two-issue thing. Um, uh, the only thing is, I guess I would have wanted to see a little more Obsidian, but I, but I, I understand the role was not that. Um, the role was not meant to be substantial. Right. Um, and instead, it's instead it's just a very cool wrinkle, I think, into into this uh, little little story here. Um, hey, w how many issues is the Ram V Swamp Thing series coming out of this? Ten. Okay, so I, that's interesting because I wonder if this. I don't. I don't know whether this is going to have anything to do with that that series or not, but it's. 10 is an interesting number, and then with two issues of this... Yes. 
I had the, think. I had the exact same thought, but I feel like this is so self-contained. This would be a weird first two issues of a series. Right, right. I, I wonder if it's a thing where they're like, yeah, we'll pay you to write 12 issues of Swamp Thing. Two of them are going to have nothing to do with the other 10. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, yeah, that it's less a storytelling thing and more just a, uh, like a we're contracting you for this much thing. Anyway, what a, that's a, that's a side of the point. Uh, Zach? Yeah, I liked this. I thought it was definitely the most satisfying ending that we got this week. Um the the art continued to be really good um it was a really good swamp thing story i think i think it really kind of got to the heart of what a swamp thing story is and um i i liked it quite a bit for that yeah this felt like a, a relatively unique take on swamp thing without trying to reinvent the character it just mm -hmm. approached it in a in a fun unique way yeah Overall, very good stuff. Uh, I wish I had more to say about it. I wish I wish I had like, a burning question or something to to dig into here. So I think this book deserves more time than we're giving it. But it's just a very well paced, well told story that hopefully will continue at least thematically into the um, into the infinite horizon. No, infinite frontier. I did it again. Um, it's very story. easy to do. It is. It is. Um, all right, well, let's get to our last book of the week, uh, a, uh, a book I think we're all going to have a lot to say about. That is Future State Wonder Woman number two, written and illustrated by Joelle Jones. Uh, Vincy, you are the Joelle Jones lover. Take it away. Well, uh, I mean, you want me to just simp out? Is that what this is? Is that is that all I am to you? <laughs> is that any different than any, any other week we're talking about Joelle Jones? <laughs> I mean, I love this. What can I say? Like, I, I thought it looked great. I think um, I think she's uh, improving as a writer all the time. Um, I, th I think this has a fantastic script with, you know, narration that doesn't it doesn't overdo anything. Um, I think it but I think it feels necessary and it feels like it's part of a kind of a mythical storytelling uh, aspect of the character. And um yeah, I just think the art is wildly good when it when she goes to Hades and then uh, tries to dig her own companion out, her old companion out of the like uh, weird army of kind of ghostly zombified hands that are all coming out of the ground and all that stuff. Just all of this just looks so good. I I, I think Jones is just the best i don't know i don't know what you want me to say it's 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 so good zach you simp out for a while uh, oh, oh i always have to you, you gotta pass the sympathon to me <laughs> um yeah no i i like this even better than the first issue i said that the swamp thing had like one of the most more satisfying endings but i think this was just as satisfying um the the art it's just incredible. I know there are a lot of Joelle Jones haters out there <laughs> on Twitter.com. Um, yeah. There's a lot of just, a whole lot of them. Just uh, our, 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 a lot of people cruising uh, for a bruising out there. Our, our, men, our mentions are just full of Joelle Jones slander. Yeah, it's <laughs> like we did that first episode and we just were lit up with ads just saying how wrong we were. And, um, you know, we just can't let it stand. Um, so this aggression will not stand, man. Yeah, we're the Joel Jones appreciators, and uh, and uh, this was really good. I I liked it a lot. Um, we still haven't gotten word on you know what the Yara Floor book is going to be, or what that's going to look like, or where it's when it's going to come. But uh, I am excited for it. Um, I I I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I'm going to slightly disagree with Zach on one thing. I do think the first issue was a better comic. I think the first issue was more fun. There was that really good, like, TSA, Hades stuff that I really, really enjoyed. And and this did feel a little rushed to me. I feel like um, this could have been another couple of issues very easily. I think that the emotional 
resonance though there with with her and her I believe it's her sister. I, I don't know if that if sister is being used like in the Amazonian way or if it's her actual sister. Regardless, the, the sort of the emotional beats are, are there, but it would have been so much more magnified if we had more time with those characters together, either in flashback or some other way. So this did feel a little bit rushed to me, but again, Joel Jones does such a nice job with it that it doesn't it's not like glaringly so with the way some other books are um in this week. I do think we're going to see a Yara Flora book sooner than later, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if it was a Swamp Thing-like 10-issue miniseries for now. Um, do you guys think we're going to jump right into an ongoing for this character? I think... I think it's going I think it is going to be build as an ongoing but i kind of think what's going to happen is is maybe they're giving joel jones some lead time to to write and draw the first arc Mm -hmm. and then i think then i think it's going to be passed on to somebody else now whether whether they do that as a mini and then follow it up with another something else i don't know or if it's all going to be one ongoing that just switches creative hands i think it'll be one or the other but I can't see them just doing a mini or a series with a defined end just because I think like this character was clearly this the breakout star of Future State before Future State even came out and I think these issues made good on that hype and so I think like they're already making a show I I can't imagine they're not going to push this character in the same way that say a uh Kamala Khan was pushed, you know? Uh, so so I do think it's going to be more than just even just a 10-issue mini. Zach, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, no, not not really much more in addition to that. I, I think that... Well, I, I'm just... I think, yeah. I think we'll get an ongoing. That's what I'll say. I think we're going to... I think we will get an ongoing out of the gate. See, I, I just look at how bad DC is at synergy between uh, their television stuff and their print stuff. And, like, there is there has barely been a Supergirl ongoing the entire time there's been a Supergirl TV show. There has not been a Black Lightning ongoing the entire time there's been a Black Lightning TV show. And I just feel like, uh, yeah, I hope there's a Yara Floor ongoing, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a miniseries. Uh, or if there's eventually going to be something where maybe she's the one who leads a secondary Wonder Woman title um, down the road. But I don't think you're going to see like a Yara Floor ongoing series anytime soon, unfortunately. Mm. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I very much hope I'm wrong about that. Um, well, that does it for uh, for week five of Future State. Uh, where does this sort of fall in your overall rankings of the weeks? Is this a middle of the road week? Is this one of the better ones? One of the worst ones? What do you think? I I don't know if it's just that like I'm settling into the concept or like the other books have just been better, but I was, I was pretty underwhelmed by this week. I didn't love it. Um, yeah, and I, I thought it was a middle of the road week. It was it was definitely better to me than the last week we did, where I, I basically only liked one book very much. Um, I think you know, anytime you get stuff as good as Wonder Woman and Swamp Thing, that that's a good week. I also liked Harley Quinn and Superman stuff. Could take or leave the next Batman, and and the Flash was bad, but I think you know, round, on average. That's a that's a solid week, um, and I think Future State is still really solid. I think I think we've clearly identified the things that we're just not gonna like or that we just think are not good, and I think the things that are that are average to good outnumber those. So I, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I I I think that this is a middle of the road week for the most part. I think that this is the week that all the structural issues with Future State really came to the fore, but I don't think that's the fault of the creative teams at all. And I think for the most part, the creators have done a good job adapting to this weird 
mishmash of ongoing versus miniseries versus event sort of just miasma these books find themselves in um yeah vince do you have ready what is coming out next week (laughs) of course i do not um hang on there's a very convenient face place to find this i got i got it i got it i guess i know uh shit man future state dark detective uh green lantern number two justice league number two uh, that was Dark Detective number three, by the way. We're not, we, we'll be on three at that point. Uh, Kara Zor-El, Superwoman number two, Robin Eternal number two, Superman Wonder Woman number two, and Teen Titans number two. I am excited for those books. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good week. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it'll be a good week. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope you guys have a good week. We hope you've enjoyed this show. If you need to get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need Vince, don't you, you dare, dude! Don't. <laughs> what, what am I gonna say? I I have an idea. Go go. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. What's your idea? Come on. No, good. No, good. Say what you're gonna say. I was gonna say Vince has taken on a new side job uh, in addition to his his work at the hospital and the podcast. Uh, he is now a uh, an advocate for silicone injections. <laughs> Do you have any questions about silicone injections? Uh, whatsoever implants just you know just make sure to, to find him and he'll make, he'll be happy to talk to you about those and socialism well you know that's not new for you <laughs> the, the silicone is new for you so anyway uh, thanks for listening six. folks we'll be back next week with future state week six take care How's it going? Real life, Peter Griffin here with a message for Vince from Matt. I'm sorry the Packers lost to that sun-kissing freak Tom Brady, but uh, don't worry, you're only 43 years old and the Packers will have another shot. Focus on your hobbies, your Funko Pop collection, cooking with extra onions, and your Rick and Morty podcast. And always remember, pa 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 p